0: We are listening to those in the night. I was uh, in a
1: very uh, famous famous TV TV show. show. (laughs) Wow.
2: wow, Good.
0: Beast. I'm Joe Gallagher, uh, and with me, as always, is Paul McLeod. Oh, Joe, how are you today? I'm good. And uh, uh, joining us today, uh, for uh, out of uh, great necessity, is our attorney Taylor Sean.
1: <laughs> Gentlemen, it's my pleasure to be spending my 35th birthday with you all, and this glass of uh, Johnny Walker Platinum right here. Happy birthday, Happy Taylor. Birthday. That's fantastic. We've actually,
0: uh, we have a surprise for you. Uh, this podcast is actually about uh, all the Radiohead B-sides that remind us of you. <laughs> Which
2: is all of them. Um, Taylor. <laughs> Settle in for five hours. <laughs> Taylor, how much, how much does Johnny Walker Platinum cost?
1: Uh, more than it should, but less than blue, and it's better than blue. All right. Interesting. Was this a
2: birthday present?
1: Uh, it's a long and not very interesting story, so no. Okay. Yeah, All it's right. perfect for our podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All, All right. right. It's uh, it's hard Taylor. to
1: get, and my father loves me very much. That's the end of it. Okay. Taylor, That's how many great.
0: cocktails did you have at your oh, Ritzy God. fundraiser tonight?
1: Oh, God. So, so many cocktails. So yes. Many.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Um, Taylor, why are you here?
1: Gentlemen, we're here because... I've been brought in now twice to discuss film and it was, it was just too long before we also discussed television and the themes thereof and the music of period.
0: Exclamation point. Excellent. Indeed. Uh, Good. So I I guess that translates to, we're listening to TV theme songs and uh, talking about them way too seriously.
1: Indeed. But there's some frivolity in there as well. And, and, Part of this is also when we talked about doing this, Joe and I had opinions, and Paul was essentially like, eh, I'll just react to whatever you guys do. So with that in mind, uh, half this list is mine, half this list is Joe's. Two were ones that both Joe and I agreed on had to be discussed, and Paul had basically no input until now, where I'm sure we will hear a lot of it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, should Should we cover, before we dive in uh what what is your what is your general theory of tv theme songs in 60 seconds
1: so as a lawyer we have it's called a prong test which is both ridiculous but true and so for me it's three (laughs) three prongs for what makes a great tv theme it has to be iconic it has to be thematic and it has to be endlessly listenable Mm. So it's got to be something that instantly takes you to that show or what that show's about. The thematic part is also important because the song also has to be actually what the show's about. And that's what's going to be one of my beefs with a song that's coming up. And the third one is that you have to never get sick of it. And that's important because there are some like, for instance, the theme we will not be talking about. The Twin Peaks theme is fantastic. It's iconic. It's thematic. You get sick of it. You get really sick of it if you binge watch that show because it was on for forever. Like, that is a lie. That is definitely the
0: first that's funny, the first one that's like the first <laughs> one Paul would have chosen.
1: Well, there we go.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. No question.
1: <laughs> well this this explanation was under sixty seconds, but then uh you know, Paul happened. So but that's why okay. we're here. Yeah. That's anyway, I like those, that's my
0: test. Those, that is a that is a good test. I I buy it. Paul, what about you? What's your sixty second theory?
2: My sixty second theory so uh, I was wondering how much we needed to relate these to the shows they come from, right? Um, and I agree that it makes sense to do that, but for me personally, like, I am never going to, in my, uh, I'm, I'm never going like, to pull up a TV theme just because I'm like, hey, I like that show. I don't do that with soundtracks or anything. Um, it has to work as standalone music for me, so I'm probably going to bring a little bit more of that perspective that um, I don't care if this is related to the show, it still sucks. Um, that's so, fine. I, mean, uh, I knew <laughs> I knew that was going to be your thesis.
0: I actually could have, <laughs> could have guessed that. Um, exactly. Yeah. There's no need to
1: even do the podcast. We can just right, know. right. Uh, yeah. Well, some uh, of these are awesome. So yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I think I'm. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Where I my overall thing is that the for me the theme song has to get me hyped for the show, and maybe that's like the qualities that Taylor is describing, but it also I mean, it has to be a good song, a standalone good song, and also have that kind of iconic and thematic quality. So I feel like, I feel like all the things have to kind of run together, you know. You you can't have like the perfect song for the show and then it sucks. And you can't have this amazing song that has nothing to do with the show, which actually I think at least one of these will fall into that category and Yeah, it could well be. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, um, I do want. I do have one other question. Did you guys consider the visuals for these uh, credit sequences at all, or uh, some of them are the one. At least one of them didn't really have any of them, but
1: um, or I is mean, it I just the music. I try to divorce it. It's sometimes impossible. Okay. Um, yeah, that's my short answer. I, I really yeah. tried to listen to the music alone. But there are some times where the images is are just so embedded that. Yeah,
0: are- yeah. I have some thoughts. Those are more like sort of play into my thoughts of like why it's the theme song or maybe like kind of just uh you know the overall um art direction of the title sequence uh and how that kind of affect the song selection but i definitely i don't think any of these songs were like i don't think any of my opinion of any of these songs changed because of the the visuals i would i would say for me maybe
1: yeah well, you know what? We'll get to it. There was, there's one yeah. that I actually, two that I'd heard for the first time for this exercise and one, the visuals helped and one. They were just like there. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. And I, I feel like Paul and I are going to agree on this one that there's one that like the, the music and the visuals are both so good that it's hard to divorce the two, but uh, we'll, get yeah. there. We'll, we'll get
2: there. We'll get there. Let's, let's stop talking about these individual songs anonymously and actually
1: go through the list. I say. Fair Dear enough. God. <laughs> So, at, why don't we just up front say the shows we're going to talk about, if that's okay, and then we will go through them.
0: Oh, yeah, let's we have it be that. a surprise. People, yeah, let's just, everyone, let's everyone will be listening, there. hoping that we talk about whatever the heinous theme song to the Big Bang Theory might be, and I want those people <laughs> to be crushed at the end.
2: We should, at the end, we should we should try to guess what the theme song to the Big Bang is and see <laughs> if we can figure it out.
1: I'm on board with that. All right, very well. <laughs>
2: It's the Big
0: Bang Theory. <laughs> Jim Parsons should be murdered by a snake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, let's go.
1: All right, uh, the first what's pairing? First? The first pairing I have. We'll we'll start with a, just a easy one. Uh, Mission Impossible and the X Files. For some reason, I had oh because they both have no words and are very iconic. Those are the two first two I had paired.
0: All right, we will listen to a clip from both. mix of those two songs must exist
2: <laughs> oh there's
0: definitely I'm a sure, mashup of those I'm sure all right it's an a, it's an acapella mashup um yeah uh, okay um well taylor you're the guest these are the first songs you you lead us into this one They're i both think your any, choices
1: they are they are they are both my hack choices but that's that's actually why i think they both belong in any conversation about this because anytime you invent something that instantly is used by any hack show or material or movie to be like, yeah, we want that. So if we just play mm-hmm. this, we'll get there very quickly. And that is what both Mission Impossible and the X Files theme do, even though they're separated by twenty years, I think. I think Mission Impossible premiered in the seventies. Um, they both instantly take you to a place of excitement, of emotion, even though obviously with Mission Impossible it's much well it's seventies fast pace, but it's still very fast pace. Whereas the X Files theme really is this even if the visuals are the visuals are actually the most dated out of anything i watched even more so than mission impossible because there's lots of like really shitty 90s era cg and words that just float up for no reason but if you just focus on the music that instantly takes you to a place of both paranoia but also mood it's not intense paranoia it's very longing paranoia versus mission impossible which without any context whatsoever is just like spy shit go
0: <laughs> I, I will say we said we were going to talk about it, but the visuals for the X-File theme song were the worst of any of these. They're so—it's like a pan over skull over like Mulder's ID, and then it yeah. says "paranormal activity" just like floats across the screen.
1: <laughs> and there's like a visual and that for, falls into a hand, and the hand has like part of it that's red for no reason.
2: And it really honestly looks like it was made with the camcorder my family had in the 80s. Like, oh, completely. It's, completely. It's amazing how shitty the camera is. It's actually, it's amazing how many of these
0: theme songs were filmed by like, I I'll always say this, the the intro sequence to The Office was filmed by the actor who plays Jim when he like flew to Scranton to see what it was about, like before they filmed a the pilot. So like, it's just
2: like fucking scout footage? Yeah. Location Yeah, scout that's, footage.
0: And, yeah <laughs> that's true for a lot of these. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not the HBO so.
1: shows, but otherwise, yes. Yeah. These, By the these, way, yeah. Oh, Go sorry.
2: Ahead. I was just going to say, Mission Impossible was really more high sixties. It started. It launched in '66 and ran until '73.
1: That is true. That is that is true. But, but
2: I, yeah, um, you're totally right with your points that like uh, each one has become just like a sound cue almost. You can just drop in three notes and uh, people know what you're talking about.
0: Yes. I,
1: and there, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: They're iconic, I mean, and I think the lack of words and the fact that they're not really rooted in their time period quite as much uh, helps with
2: that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely heard the Mission Impossible theme for the first time when I saw the first movie in the 90s. And uh, I remember thinking it was awesome then and having it stuck in my head for months. Uh, So um, it's pretty impressive considering how little I knew about old culture and how I didn't really like that, which I knew uh, that it could do that, so um whoever composed that was a genius
0: you heard it played first by the two lesser members of you two who uh who recorded (laughs) that version is that so
1: yes that version version, man it goes into some there's like some weird wolf noises at one point it it goes in a very non-interesting bizarre way halfway through um the movie version anyway not the tv version
2: all right um joe why don't you give us a couple of your choices uh, or Taylor,
1: sh- you pick two. I don't give yeah, a yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Joe, you go ahead.
2: Uh, well, why don't
0: we talk about, uh, let's talk about Reading Rainbows and ducktails?
1: Indeed. Yeah. Right, Joe, you go first.
0: Excellent. Okay, we'll start with Reading Rainbow and then we'll, we'll hit ducktails.
2: Butterfly
0: in the sky I can go twice as high Take a look, it's in a book. A reading yes. rainbow Solve a mystery. Okay, uh, so uh, you know, uh, I I picked Reading Rainbow. Um, this is uh, this is my favorite TV theme song of all time. Uh, someone worked hard to get the like haunting, off kilter, like reverb, sa- delayed sound on that eighty synth, and they like crafted it into mm-hmm. this like simple anthem of triumph about how books are fucking the best, and when you read them, you can do anything <laughs> and be anyone. Like all you have to do is read. And it's, like, they were, like, you know, the show about reading should be about how reading is, like, is just fucking rules. It's going to be a celebration of that. And I don't know. It's, like, it's not so much that I think this is – I do think that the, like, really cool fucking synth sounds make this, like, musically interesting to me. But I also just love how, like, they committed to it. And there's, like, there's just passion in this song. And it's it's just – I I like it a lot. Uh – and uh, I don't even really, yeah. like, I have, probably haven't watched Reading Rainbow that much. I might have watched it when I was, like, super little kid and don't remember it much. But I, I don't really remember what the show is about. They just read, and I guess Oh, they you don't s- remember that? I guess they read, and, like, animations happen from what they're
2: reading or some shit like that. Yeah, I think, so, like, LeVar Burton is the host, and I guess it's well, been a yes. while for me, too. That so I remember. Then they read the book. Yeah, then they read a book, and I can't remember if he reads it or if it could be anybody. But yeah, it's sort of an guys, illustrated read. Guys, no
1: one here remembers Reading Rainbow. We all remember it, but none of us actually remember watching it. <laughs> it's it's true. very clear. But <laughs> do you remember
2: when the Reading Rainbow... LeVar Burton or, or his production company started a, a Kickstarter a few years ago to reboot Reading Rainbow. Oh, yeah. And like people for, went apeshit on the internet for a day. Right. It, well, I think it... It's it, one of the
0: top five Kickstarters of all time,
1: right? Because Paul, it was about adult yeah. literacy as opposed to kid literacy. That's why the reboot. Oh, was, was it? So, yeah, that's what the reboot <laughs> was about. Um, here's our... Well, remember. It's Bar-
2: still, win everybody went ape shit because they all remembered it and loved it. People yes. of our specific age definitely know that show. The well, <laughs> Burton is a badass. Let's be clear. Right, and to Joe's credit, yeah. Do you think he's ever been? Do you think he's ever been making love and the woman just started humming the Reading Rainbow theme?
1: I think he asked. For I mean, it.
2: it's.
0: It's better than her quoting some of his lines <laughs> from Roots or making him wear the visor from uh, Star Trek. Like Reading Rainbow would be better than either of those.
1: I mean, I think he'd rather be remembered than for, than, uh, for Reading Rainbow than either of those um, because it had a much more noble mission, and it, it accomplished that mission um, how, to a great how extent. How
0: dare you insult Geordie LaForge in this manner? Yeah, I He's know. the best I mean, engineer Star is, uh... in Starfleet history.
1: Yeah,
2: I, and it's that's like you know liberal Bible stuff as far as ideology is concerned. It's a pretty noble show. <laughs> liberal Bible. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Uh, okay. Look here, Here's Come what on. I remember. Star Trek has famously been a very progressive show its whole history. It that's is. All it it is. Go on. Truth. Yeah.
1: Look, yeah. Reading Rainbow had a noble mission. The reason everyone went crazy for that Kickstarter is they all remember the goddamn song, even me. And I would watch that song and the theme song, <laughs> and they get into the actual book, and I would turn it off. But I loved that song, and that's what—that's why that Kickstarter got its start. After that, it became the mission and blah, blah, blah. But it's the song.
2: Fair enough. I may have watched that show more than you guys because I never had cable as a kid, so mm. PBS for me all day.
0: Anyway. just nice. Take Duck-tales a look. Drill. It's in Duck a tales. book. Taylor, you want to you wanna, uh, speak to DuckTales?
1: Yeah, DuckTales is one of the like catchiest 60 seconds of music ever made. And it was written for in about 45 minutes by Mark Mueller, who also mm-hmm. wrote songs for Heart and other bands. But there's this amazing Vanity Fair article. I advise you to Google it. He got paid like $1,200 to compose and record DuckTales, the whole thing. And that was only if Disney used it, which was not a sure thing. And they did. And it was used in every single version except for Korea for some reason. There was some other like ducks quacking version of, in Korea, but everywhere else it is that version. <laughs> and there's even le- and he, it, there's a whole thing about him coming to peace with the fact that that is what he's going to be remembered for. Especially when he gets letters from like families with autistic children that who say like their kids never connected until the Ducktales theme came on. All of a sudden they're dancing and singing and making eye contact. Um, it's catchy. Oh It's, wow. it's fun. It. It communicates everything about the show in a very short period of time. It gets you hyped for it. The song is better than the show itself. I recently tried to rewatch the show to get excited for the <laughs> reboot, and I was just like, "Oh, I should have left this in the past. I, this is not how I remember it." But the <laughs> song was still just as yeah. good.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, was did Gizmo Duck still rule? He better I, rule. I only That's got like four
1: episodes in. I can't tell you he's not in the first four. It's yeah. just I forget that Huey, Dewey, and Louie were all ever. the same. They're just, they're the same duck three times. And no matter how good Launchpad and Scrooge are, there's a lot of business where it's like, uh, which is why the reboot, even though it's still a children's show, which I had to remind myself, like they go to great pains to make the character, make Huey, Dewey, and Louie actually different characters, which is what you need to do now. It's no longer acceptable just to have, like, ah, we'll color code them. They're all the same.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, that, that history of its creation where you find out, like, this song is played in over 100 countries and, like, 25 languages, and this guy, like, This guy and the guy who sings it are like have been recognized like on the street for it. And they're just like, uh, it's 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 funny. You're like, I I feel like I, I know this song well. And then you just realize, oh, literally everyone knows this song. It's like one of the most successful theme songs of all time.
1: And I would actually uh, I would go on, yeah. a, on a somewhat of a limb and say that the reboot cover is, is better because it's better arrangements, it's a better voice, but they knew enough to know, like, we can't fuck with this too much because this, this is the show. This is what people, just like Reading Rainbow, it's what they remember is the song getting them into it. Um, I would say the difference is that, well, I don't know, one was more important because it taught you to read, the other was more fun as a kid, and then later on you're like, oh, well, I learned to read, but DuckTales, eh, these plots, not so much.
2: yeah so my on this i totally agree that this song is insanely catchy it definitely still gets stuck in my head i i feel bad for saying this but i think it might actually suck though because (laughs) i don't know this is like my least favorite kind of music in the world is this incredibly ultra white pop rock from the 80s and uh uh, I don't know. I should probably just shut up. But I no no no. I, I mean, look that. Guilt, I feel guilty like if I hadn't charged, heard right? it so much as a kid, I would still hate it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I think it still completely. Yeah. Su- it completely succeeds, and here's here's actually Paul where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. I think it f- fulfills all three of my prongs. But you saying like, yeah, it's still shitty white man rock. You're not wrong, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But to me, it's Pretty like it never, um, gets, it never gets old, in part because it's only 60 seconds long. It is completely what the show's about. Yeah. And it is the show. That is what you remember from the show.
0: Yeah. And I mean, how often, I mean, as much as catchy as this is, like, I, I, I would like never, like, just listen to this. I mean, I might listen to I do a,
2: in my head when it, somebody just, like, says something about aeroplanes <laughs> or something, and then yes. bam, there's the song. <laughs> it's yeah, a so duck blur,
1: Paul. It's a duck yeah. blur.
0: Think, think about it uh, yeah so I mean like that's the thing I mean it's it's hard like I feel like it would be hard to defend this as like a separate piece of music outside of the fact that it's a, like a great pop rock song I mean it's like a really well written like catchy pop hook uh, it's but,
2: catchy but I don't know if it's good I mean the Spice Girls are catchy but they're not good
1: see that's see I would say that's not fair only in the sense that The Spice Girls takes the most generic things about girl power and whatever and just markets it to the lowest common denominator. I mean, again, I would point to the history of this. It's written in 45 seconds, just some guy being like, all right, Ducks, what makes it exciting? Uh, this, uh, that. And somehow that alchemy, like, how many cartoon shows have theme songs that are not memorable? They're just like, all right, that's super annoying. Why is it that if if I sing one line to you, no matter how poorly, you know the rest of the song? They've accomplished something with that. That's true. That's true. I do actually yes. know the
2: themes to most of those Disney afternoon shows, like uh, the fucking one with Baloo where he's flying an airplane. Oh uh, tailspin. Uh, uh, the Gummy oh, Bears. Yeah, yep. Gummy Bears
0: is another classic of this genre. Yeah, that for uh, sure. Darkwing
2: Duck. I'm pretty sure I could do this, sing the theme oh, song the, of that.
0: The DuckTales guy wrote the Darkwing Duck
1: song after this. And the and the Rescue Rangers song. Makes sense. Song. It's,
0: yeah, so all the songs you know were yes, by this guy. And sky. that
1: one, of course. <laughs> I know all of those songs.
2: So
0: great. you're actually like secretly oh. a big fan of this dude? <laughs> I
2: guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, ah. oh, well. ah. I, I think it's more ah. like
1: you're you're uh, we were all the hostage of the Disney Afternoon. Disney Afternoon and yes. um oh god, what's that syndrome? This is why you shouldn't have like Stockholm cocktails. Thank Stockholm. you. Stockholm yes. Syndrome. We are all victims of Stockholm syndrome for the Disney Afternoon. The difference is DuckTales even permeated it went beyond that. People who don't know The Disney Afternoon know that theme song for better or for it worse. It is
0: yeah. it is weird how little I remember of the shows versus how well I remember the theme song. I mean, I just have no yeah. memory of a single DuckTales plot
1: or it's, any of those shows. It's honestly having rewatched them recently, you're you just leave it that way. It's fine. There was
0: nothing to remember.
1: Nope. I mean, Gizmo was probably pretty cool, but <laughs> everything else, I was just like, "Oh, look, the Beagle Boys!" Just everything is so one-dimensional, even for a kid show. That anyway, that's a different. That's a different podcast. It's fine. Yes. That's fine. All right. What's next? Uh, I would just like to point out that the X Files theme was number one in France in 1996 for like a week. That's something I forgot to mention. All right, let's move on. Yes. Was it the really dance? the French
2: claim the... to have the?
1: Sorry.
0: Oh, no, I was just saying, is it the dance mix of it? Because I feel like I remember there being like a shitty dance version of that song. So
1: according to Wikipedia, there is tons of remixes of it. But I think just the full version of the theme reached the top in France. And then when there was a there was a re-release of the theme with the movie that did okay, but not as well. Um,
2: Right. Joe, the outro to this episode is definitely some awesome remix of the X-Files theme song
1: absolutely that that sounds wonderful all right uh what's next for us um we can well, why don't we do um i had bojack mixed with cheers
0: making your way in the world today takes everything you've got taking a break from all your
2: worries sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away?
1: So I pair these together, even though they're so far apart in terms of time and actually composition. Um, however, they are both shows about people who are sad and alcoholic uh, and depressed. And one is a lament and one is a rousing theme. And so it's the two different spectrums of alcoholism. That's why I thought they paired together. Otherwise, they have nothing in common other than that. They're both good and iconic. Um, the group love theme is... All I could find about it is that they brought the band in to watch the trailer for Netflix, for the show for season one, and they were like, hey, let's do this. It was just like the most uninspiring anecdote I can imagine. Um, however, what I would also say we could have easily included the opening theme, which is like the closest thing to an animated Mad Men theme you could get. It is just both enriching and depressing and magical. But the difference is that if I had to pick one of the two – I go with the group love theme because every, almost every time they use it, it is a gut punch, whether it's a gut punch of hilarity or sadness. Um, and the song itself in two very, like right off at the bat, just has the whole thesis of the show just right there out in the open in a very good way, a very like sparse, very literal but, way. Right. But it, but it works yes. so well. <laughs> yeah uh
2: this is a good song but i actually do think the opening theme uh again approaching it as i do as a oh, is this a good song thing is just such a fucking awesome song um for anybody who doesn't know it's uh done by half the uh I, we're not even talking about this song but here i go half the uh black keys i think it's patrick carney is it the is one. Pa- it is patrick carney um, yeah and yeah. it's I fucking it's one of the better uses of saxophone, which is a resurgent insur- instrument in recent times. But anyway, Paul, this have, is you, a, have you have you heard a the quality like indie pop rock song? Have
1: what? you have you heard the longer version of the theme? The main theme. Uh probably there's like, not. There's like a it, four it, minute it version of it. It flows they, real well the way it is. It no, it's perfect the way it is, but the four minute version as opposed to the uh, Mission Impossible remix, which goes into weird, not interesting places. The four-minute Patrick Carney version goes to weird, very interesting places. Um, but we're not talking about it. I'm just Ooh. saying seek it out.
2: Yeah, I'll check that out. But, uh, yeah, this is a good indie pop rock song. And it just uh, – you mentioned the story of how it's made, and that makes perfect sense because it seems like they were literally like, um, okay, let's just describe what we just saw. That'll be it. We we, we got it. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I
0: mean I think this song is like is definitely uh uh it's it's influenced by the fact that you know the this show is so brilliantly like self-referential and has so many layers of jokes that you know this the song becomes one of the like maybe like the best recurring joke at the show um you know how it's used Taylor you know as Taylor said and uh this this song might be the one I have I think it's a great great little ditty and I probably have the hardest time like divorcing it from the show just because it it is like a it's like a fake theme song and it's like it's a joke from the show and i, I don't think any of these other songs really qualify um in uh, in that sense um i will say true for no sure. no
1: i i think i will i'm agreeing i'm gonna agree with that but i would add that you know we were talking earlier about can you divorce the images from it and obviously this one has no images it's just text but repetition i think of this one benefits it more than any other theme we've talked about or will talk about because the more you hear it the more times it is associated with gut punches both emotional and humor it just kills you every time in a way that it doesn't hit the first time and i think maybe because yeah. it's a closing you theme oh. you know i don't know but i i just feel like it gains power and so maybe I think Paul's analysis is correct in terms of that the main Bojack theme is a more interesting piece of music, but since you don't know what's coming, it just gets you ready for it. This is the only one that it's like, hey, you just saw that? Boom, let me punch you in the face every time.
2: You know, what's funny is the way people experience this is uh, so heavily mediated by the technology of Netflix because... Uh, of course, Netflix, at uh, some trigger that I presume some human sets uh starts a fifteen second countdown to just go to the next episode, so you never actually get to the end of this song unless you actively try to make it happen when you 're watching the show, uh, which is too bad because it 's good enough to actually listen to
1: and yet yeah the, the thesis of the song is in the first fifteen seconds, so every time you get that gun punch, whether you want it or not
2: i do i do
0: That's x true. out of i do x <laughs> out of netflix's uh shitty auto advance for this for this show maybe this show alone
2: oh really yeah that's funny i i would kind of want to but i just hate having to go do four extra taps to get to the next episode so much that i will go along with it
0: i also happen to usually only watch this show one episode at a time
1: so it's true it's uh, it is it is the hardest one to just sprint through because every inevit- one out of every two episodes will be like oh fuck yeah but in a good way
0: <laughs> uh so cheers
1: Yes. Okay. So this one had one of the more interesting backstories. Um, in fact, on the creator's website, he has the whole. Oh, on Gary Portnoy's website, he has a whole very open explanation of how this came to be. So he and his writing partner were working on "I Shit You Not," a musical called "Preppies," and it was about to premiere on Broadway. What? And the produ- yeah, wait, yeah yeah yeah. And the producers, look it up. Like, it had a cover of, like, an alligator. I don't know why. The alligator was wearing shoes. Not important. Uh, They recorded a song called People Like Us. And the producers of Cheers were so excited. They're like, yes, that's our theme song. And then, of course, the producers of Preppies were like, what the hell? We paid for this. No, you can't do it. So they were banned from using People Like Us. And the Cheers producers were like, well, try again. See if you can do another one. And they went through, like, four or five different songs and they were all rejected and they both got very despondent and then they they were just noodling around and created that chorus out of like desperation and the chorus was so good they were like hey just write the rest of the song and originally it had much more boston centric stuff about like the red sox losing and whatever uh, um hmm. thankfully it was one of the few times where the suit notes were right to be like eh, make it more generic um and they did and it became this Look, I know it's I know the show is a cliche and the theme song dangerously approaches cliche, but on its own, it has both the darkness and light of going to a bar, the desperation of everyday life. And this idea like you can go to a place where it's okay, even though the show itself, the hidden joke is that no one's okay. They're all barely functioning alcoholics, which actually, by the way, if you haven't rewatched the first two seasons of Cheers, especially all in a row on Netflix, it's worth your time. It is dark. I mean it's 80s dark so it's not I mean it's not BoJack Horseman. And yet there's still that sense of like we're all laughing but like these people all need help. Like Norm is such a drunk. Like oh my god. Like he's so such an alcoholic. Anyway, it's a great That's song. funny.
2: I have only watched a little bit of Cheers in my life, so uh, just because mostly it's probably the later up seasons and it's never like I've never really gotten what was supposed to be so amazing about it. I feel like it's one of those things where it was probably amazing at the time, and I don't get it later on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it, it broke barriers, and the first two seasons are very dark, and then new showrunners took over and made it much more sitcom-y, but because the characters were so strongly established, the show survived, because it was still true to these characters, even if they stopped yeah. bringing up topics like, oh uh norm's boss tries to date rape diane and norm intervenes and gets fired and everyone in the office is like hey man we love you but uh, we're not going to stick up for you we, we're glad that you did it but you're still fired and then he's unemployed for the next five episodes like that happens in season one in 86 86- <laughs> i'm
0: not it's making like, this up this this theme song to me is like very dark and i mean maybe it's like the like well, the fact that they're kind of like showing dead people during the title sequence or something. Uh, but it just, it's just, it kind of has that song at the end of The Shining feel to me, where it's like, it could be played over like a smiling Jack Nicholson who's been relegated to like the drunken past. Um,
1: Actually, yeah, you could uh, end that like created by Larry Charles and Len Charles and with that picture from the Overlook Hotel. Like you could completely do that and not miss a beat.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the song itself just has this like you gotta go, everybody knows your name. Like it, it that, that just has dark overtones to me, even though it's obviously like uh you know just a basically an advertisement for your neighborhood bar. Um I I don't see I I don't know. I there's there's some spectre of death that hangs over it for me.
1: Oh oh um, you think there's a spectre of death? Let me recite to you the two verses that are in the full version but are not <laughs> again oh yeah drop these uh no i want to hear it all those nights when you've got no lights the check is in the mail and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail and your third fiance didn't show sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and here's the here's the best one here's here's the final verse roll out of bed mr coffee's dead the morning's looking bright and your shrink your shrink ran off to europe didn't even write and your husband wants to be a girl be glad there's a place in the world what? where everyone knows your
0: name.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay, you actually just made me like this song. I, my point was going to be what you said that it's a sentimental cliche and I, it, it's this bullshit '70s songwriter stuff. But now I love this song. It's great. Um, <laughs> Apparently, they only played the full on. version
1: on like the clip show, the 200th episode. They played the full version, <laughs> which was recorded, and then the producers were wisely, or not wisely, like, yeah, let's just cut it to like the sort of sad but otherwise happy thing
2: yeah no i was just like oh yeah it's just you know being cheesy like hey you can all have you can you can have friends and it's great and it's this, like really over the top sweet melody and everything but but this is actually genius um <laughs> well done cheers
1: people i mean again you instantly think of the show <laughs> it is about both depression and like, no, it's okay. We're drinking, everything's fine. And like, to me, I never I never got sick of it. It was just like the right thing to get me ready for the show as good or as bad as the show is. Hey, would you say that you have watched a lot of Cheers? I would say I've watched a lot of seasons one and two. And then it was just kind of, t- it's hard to watch those eighty sitcoms as binge watching. They're not, you learn a lot about how it all works but it's like, oh, this wasn't built yeah. for this. It really wasn't, and so and so you instantly get way too much of it. Um, actually, uh, my wife Megan, that makes
2: sense. It's more like, yeah, you're going to be seeing this once a week, so it's fine if it kind of repeats the same right. shit every time. Because yeah, that's true. You want that. In your face.
1: I will say, 80s yeah. shows are better suited to that than some ninety shows. Um, I have, uh, when my wife was uh, pregnant, she watched all of Friends, and I didn't like Friends to begin with, but watching a bunch of it in Ooh. a row was tough oh. and on top of that she oh. just tried to restart will and grace and both of us were just like oh oh my jesus god like no 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 <laughs> no yeah
0: i can't believe that i can't believe they're, they're rebooting will and grace i mean that show was like slightly out of touch when it aired and like i, I just can't see yeah. those themes working anymore um and friends kind of sucks i know like people will recoil in horror hearing that but it's the jokes on that show Friends is shit awful
1: it's weird it's in a way the, that, that... They're really bad. Yeah. I think also the, the thing about... Not so much Will and Grace, let's put that to the side, but like comparing Friends and Seinfeld, they're both very dated in 90s, but the, to me, the key difference is Seinfeld was very upfront that their characters were terrible people, and, that, and so that's why it's okay to go along on these adventures, but Friends tried to convince you, like, no, wouldn't you want these people to be your friends? No. No, none of them. Maybe Phoebe, because she's yeah. weird, but otherwise, they're all either dumb or stupid or both or awful. And, well, they
0: would all be your dumb friend... <laughs>
1: But your dumb like friend, would be. Yeah. But, but your friend also who had money and like would just spend it. And be like, why aren't you also splitting this four hundred dollar meal? Like, what's the problem with you? Like, they're just, <laughs> it, they're just, they're just the fucking worst. And especially yeah, when you watch yeah. them back to back, it's just. Also, that's why I fucked that song. To me, the most too. painful
2: part. <laughs> I yeah, no kidding. Uh, I to me, the most so painful much. part. It's so bad, and of course, it's the one that became an actual hit on its own. I know. Um, To me, the worst part of Friends is like every time Chandler delivers one of his, like, I'm the funny guy laugh lines, they're just always Uh, excruciating. uh, Uh. I wish I had
1: some examples, but I hate them. No, you frightfully
0: excise them from your mind.
1: You know, Chris Farley's (laughs) last movie was with Matthew Perry, and the whole time he looked like he was about to keel over from doing way too much coke and heroin, which is exactly what happened. But an almost dead Chris Farley <laughs> is still funnier than a perfectly f- healthy Matthew Perry, and that is the only good thing to come out of the movie Almost uh, Heroes.
2: <sighs> uh, the Vicodin should have taken him. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's oh my god. <laughs> uh, we're gonna leave that in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, we're we're going anyway, on we're going on uh, to Mad uh, Men versus the Crown. That's what's next. Mad Men versus the Crown. No, oh, okay.
0: Uh, We are listening to Um, uh, Mad Men and uh, the (laughs)
2: Cry. It's great because we're off from each other by half a second. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to
0: keep that in. Um, okay, so that was uh, the themes from Mad Men uh, and The Crown. Uh, let's we'll start with Mad Men because I, I feel like we all have probably have something to say about this one. Um, I, I think this is uh, this theme song to me, uh, while you know, extremely well known uh, and uh, certainly um, stylistically uh, daring in a way, is kind of a missed opportunity. Uh, I think they attached the show permanently to like this early 2000s middling electronic track by R2DJ, uh, and I don't know the the episodes always felt RJD2 out of, uh, RJD2 yes sure uh, the epis the episodes always feel out of sync uh, you know because there's such good music super- supervision for the episodes themselves that like had all these lost classics from the period um i just always think it's a bad sign when a lot of your episodes have to start with a different song immediately after the theme song to reset uh yeah and and i just don't looking back on it like it just it's it's not as good a song as we thought it was it doesn't it doesn't hold up i don't i don't jam to it even
2: though it's kind of like a genre that i like uh joe it's, it's corny joe you can suck it you suck. <laughs> um, the song rules. <laughs> and um, uh, I actually really enjoy it. First of all, uh, it's a great beat, both in the, uh, the part that p- goes through most of the theme song. Uh, I just love that sort of wild, crazy drumming thing. And then when it sort of gets into two measures of the groove that comes after, which if you listen to the actual t- full length track, uh, goes on a lot longer. Um, but... I think it actually fits the show really well because it does, uh, on the one hand, it feels very sort of like 60s cool to me, um, even though uh, the song itself has a lot of elements and a lot of styles, particularly that hip-hop beat at the end that are not related to the 60s at all, which sort of fits the way it's a show made in the aughts that is trying very hard to create a very particular stylized vision of what the 60s were like, which feels very authentic at the same time that you know it can't possibly actually be authentic. Um, So to me, for that reason, and then also uh, sort of philosophically, it's both cool and also frenzied at the same time, which is uh, a way you might sort of describe Don Draper's mind. uh, as cool on the outside, freaking out on the inside. So... um, I really think it actually fits and is a great song, despite what you just said. Gentlemen wait, break the tie.
1: I'm gonna split the baby. I'm gonna split it right in half. Mm, it's screaming. Poor baby. I'm, I'm poor R2 T J um Here's R J D two. Here's where I, I disagree with Joe. Um the song never got old for me. Every single time it got me amped up for the show. Um especially because mm-hmm. it's it's seductive in a way like a cocktail, which is very much like the show, like it is layered, it, it, it moves you in, it kind of, and yet when that drum beat kicks in, it, it kind of seduces you, but also keeps you off kilter. Um, and to me, it, it mm-hmm. just, and maybe I couldn't divorce it from the images, which were also so perfect, but just this idea of like, you're being, you're being seduced and dragged into this world, and it always fits. Now, where I will disagree though, Paul, is that unlike the BoJack theme earlier, which again, seek out the long version, it's amazing. I have the long version of this, oddly enough, on the Mad Men Christmas CD, which I did not know existed until one fateful day in Target, where I was like, yes, you are getting my seven dollars. I don't know what the fuck this is, but I'm buying it. Um, And I don't regret it. It It has like a lot of great period stuff on it. But the the long version of the Mad Men song to go further than 40 seconds, it loses its magic. And you realize a lot of it is just noodling and and weird shit that kind of goes nowhere and so it's I, it's like i wish i could oh banish. i actually kind of agree with that i wish i could banish from my mind the longer version because i think that does reveal the weaknesses that joe is talking about but in a tight 40 to one minute it never got old for me for the for the show every time i was fully happy to sit I- and listen to it
2: I mean, and maybe I like. I actually more. I actually mostly agree with that. Uh, just to be clear, I said it does go on. I didn't say it was good that it goes on <laughs> a full length version. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. I, I would say that um, like. I would, yeah, I would, you do feel like with that. Go ahead. No oh, worries.
0: I'll just say I would. I would only say that I. Uh, I too. I mean, I, I kind of agree with your point that you know I. I see. It did used to get me amped for the show, and I think what's what's differing from me, for me, from both of you, really is that. It did get old for me. Like, I I just don't feel anything from it anymore. Um, And maybe I watched Mad Men too many times.
1: Um, I rewatched it it so many times. So I I think we'll just disagree, agree to disagree on this.
2: I rewatched, I pretty much have not rewatched the show. And Mm. uh, even though I love it, I don't rewatch anything very much. Um, uh, It definitely loses some of its impact. It's not like when I first heard it, I was like, holy shit. But uh, it's the closest RJD2, whom I actually like got to being DJ Shadow, which is a good thing to be, so I I still dig it. Uh
0: hey. had they had they actually used some DJ Shadow and that I one. may have been convinced.
2: <laughs> okay, the Crown. The Crown.
0: The Crown. Joe, this is um, you. Yeah, I picked this uh uh this Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer uh banger uh because it more out of you know my my wife and i did watch it um it this is more like a, a interesting um i was interested by it because you know hans zimmer is now doing the theme song for a soap opera about you know the british royalty um i, I found it interesting that enough money
1: <laughs> what was that what was that that was our dryer <laughs> pay no attention
0: um oh, okay uh just you hitting a buzzer (laughs) just broke
1: (laughs) (laughs) no please tell uh, us more about the crown
0: it buzzes to the theme song of ducktales um uh uh, (laughs) you know (laughs) um uh you know, people are pouring money into shows like this, uh, and and it, you know, with with this sort of grand theme song to these, you know, Netflix dramas. Although this one was also on uh, British TV, I believe, um, uh, maybe it was, maybe not. I don't remember. Um, and uh, you know, I do, uh, uh, I do love kind of the the subtle like organ. Uh, that's that's at the beginning and the end, I think it's an organ. Um, and also, and then you know, that nice orchestral swell. Um, to me, it's just like I'm just fascinated by this the way this song kind of brings like more of a cinematic sensibility into the like you know, uh, minute 20 second uh, Netflix theme song. Um and uh unfortunately because you've never seen the show i'm assuming neither of you have seen it uh it, it i will nope. say it it does glide um, because it has that really subtle beginning and end it kind of has this nice like um almost uh too low key transition like out of and back into the episode which is uh, uh pretty good um yeah so that's that's why that's i cool. picked it
2: That's cool about the transition. Um, My feeling with this was that uh, it's like he totally nailed all the crescendo dynamics part of it where it sort of swells really effectively, but it's um, very soundtrack uh, style in that it feels like it's got that emotion and those feelings in it, but it lacks any sort of uh, catchy earworm melody or interesting uh, melody more that extends beyond the placeholder, uh, much True. like you want with a soundtrack. Like it's supposed to sort of build a feeling without actually drawing attention. And so, uh, having not seen the show, I felt like I felt like it was uh, it was more incidental music than actual music on its own. Yeah,
1: I, that's it. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. Um, you know, one of the songs that for me almost made the cut for this show didn't at the last minute was the Game of Thrones theme. Now I've only seen right. like maybe one, two episodes of Game of Thrones for reasons we don't need to get into here. But that song stuck with me immediately. And the fact that, like Mission Impossible, it has already become a thing where like, you can quote that, hacks, parodies, use it. And it just has this insistent building quality, which I think this reaches for. And it's, I mean, look, it's Hans Zimmer. The man is no chump. Like, it is technically accomplished. But versus a song we're going to talk about in a little bit where I also haven't seen the show, but the song and the images immediately grabbed me to a point where it's like, oh, okay, this, this is great. With The, with the Crown, it was, it's like, this is fine, but this is nothing unexpected, not from the composer, not from what I would expect for the thing. So like, there's nothing wrong with it, but in no way would I be like, I don't know, it just didn't gra-. And I, I tried it with, with headphones, with the visuals, with everything. I, it was fine, but it, it just did not grab my imagination at all.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, I think that, you know, there's, to me, I really like theme songs that, that aren't trying. <laughs> that sounds weird, but, like, that that maybe it's one place where I do like that soundtrack quality, which I often complain about in other settings, but I like when a theme song uh, is not trying to be a showstopper. Um, of course, some of them do work. Some of them really pull that off, but I think that's where, Um, you know, I I like that this one can, uh, bring atmosphere to a show without, um, ever getting stuck in your head. Um, which, you know, I I think is maybe the opposite where you're like, you don't get tired of it. It's like here, you know, it's like this fits the show perfectly, but you don't, you're never going to get tired of it because it doesn't have a catchy melody. Um, but you know, I, I'm going to accept you guys' thoughts on it because, you know, you haven't seen the show. So it's, it's different context.
1: And I want to I want to stress like I I'm actually a huge fan of Hans Zimmer, I love a lot of his scores. This for me is like, it's sort of like oh yeah this it, it, you're watching something Tim Burton and you're like did Danny Elfman do this? Oh yeah he did okay, and that that's how I fe- <laughs> that's how I felt about it. It right. was like oh Hans Zimmer right. did this? Yeah that makes sense. And the thing is, this is an artist who actually I feel like is with both Interstellar and his work on Dunkirk, even though they're both Chris Nolan films like he is still playing with sound, with time, with, like, he is trying to expand what he does. And this, for me, feels like a very much like, well, we had 60 Minutes with Hans Zimmer, and uh, he delivered, you know, like, (laughs) and that's all it is, you know?
2: Pretty much. Good job. Good job, Hans. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: what do we have next, guys? Uh, We're going to go to the anime, and we'll close strong on the two HBO themes. So this is Deep Dragon Ball Z and Lane. (laughs)
0: くぐもも seem to
2: understand
1: So I, I realize that of all of these, this might be the most controversial, and the next one is going to be probably the most <laughs> obscure, uh, but it's up to Joe to explain. Actually, he, Joe doesn't explain anything. I love the theme song to Lane. But, so Dragon Ball Z is by the artist Kage, Kageyama. I, I should pronounce this right. I did live in Japan. Um, he considers it his best work as people are always happy when they sing it, and <laughs> he was shocked that he got offered the job. That's the only details I could find about it. Um, I want to get a little personal with this. Um, so Dragon Ball Z, I lived in Japan from for George Bush the uh, first, George H.W. Bush. So that's 88 to 92. I was born in 1982. So I am, what am I? I'm, so I'm like ages 6 through 10, about, uh, when I'm in Japan. And I discovered Dragon Ball Z when I'm about 8, let's say. Um, And it was, obviously, I'm in Japan, it's in another language. And that is the perfect age to be watching Dragon Ball Z, because you don't really need to understand Japanese to follow it. Um, It is essentially a soap opera for children in elementary to middle school. Except the difference is that it's for mainly boys, not that girls can enjoy it, but it's mainly for boys because it's about a whole bunch of just like super pumped up creatures fighting. Except they never actually fight. Right, but that's why it's a soap opera, Paul, (laughs) because in the next episode, that's when something's going to (laughs) happen. And uh, the reason why I I stress this is that when I got to America, and that was grades 6 through 12, and Dragon Ball Z was coming over, it was weird to me to be like, oh yeah, I was into this when I was in like 4th, 5th grade, and I'm now in 8th and (laughs) ninth grade. And then also when you... Give it the American translation where, I mean, it made no sense. Even for Japan, it made no sense. But you try to Americanize it, it really doesn't make sense. And then you eliminate all of the fact that characters can actually die. Now, they all come back because they follow the same Marvel rules that no one's actually dead forever. But the fact that characters could die, that was a huge deal when I was in, like, third, fourth, and fifth grade. Like, oh, my God, this character's actually dead, which would never happen in American cartoons. I mean, I, I know there was a Transformers movie, but that would just never happen. So... I understand that for most of this audience who experienced this show, it's probably your annoying younger brother or sister, and you would watch it, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is with this bad dub? What is this show? (laughs) And for me, this this was a show I watched... From third to fifth grade in Japanese, and with this theme song, and this theme song just got you so pumped. It was so exciting. It was, it was like implying that dangerous things were going to happen, but that's also fun, and you didn't even know what the words were other than when like cha, like there were no English words other than cha la and sparking, but it didn't, it just didn't matter because it got you so into it. Now that being said, this also maybe it's the visuals, maybe it's the fact that like all the visuals, they promised you the most exciting show you were ever going to see in your life. And only when you were older did you realize, you know what, I just watched five episodes and like nothing happened. But in any <laughs> minute, something could happen. And eventually, if you put it all together, stuff did happen because characters did die. They did go to other places. And it, like, it all meant so much to you in a place and a time. I realize that is very hard to transpose if you weren't there, if you didn't experience it. And I, I'm guessing, especially for Paul, this is just J-pop nonsense. But for me and for a lot of other people who didn't even speak English, this song was like, hey, get ready. You're about to have the ride of your fucking life. And that's <laughs> why I love this song.
2: <laughs> it, uh, it is J-pop nonsense, but I'm not going to shit on your nostalgia, Taylor. I get it. That's fine. Um, yeah, I do. I, and
0: I, I love the – oh, go ahead, Paul.
2: Oh, I was going to just ask one snarky question, which is in fourth and fifth grade, um, did you find the weird zoom out from Bulma's cleavage as weird as I found it when (laughs) I watched it today?
1: You know, uh, no, no. I noticed it too. That's not not actually uh, an an inappropriate question. There is a weird – so it was funny. Last night Megan was like, so – was there Dragon Ball A? Like, why is it Dragon Ball <laughs> C? And, and look, that's not an unfair question. And the reality is that it originally was Dragon... So first of all, the, the creator, Akira Toriyama, who has gone on to... He designed the characters for Chrono Trigger, the game, um, he, all the Dragon Quest games. I mean, the man has gone into this whole PG, PG-13 future that will live forever and ever with his properties. But Dragon Ball, the original is about um, a child version of the main hero, Dragon Ball Z, and it's it's very dirty. It's like a very dirty cartoon with like a lot of the stuff, a mm. lot of the cliches that anime is rightly uh, purloined for. And with Dragon Ball Z, it was like, we're going to make this more adult, but more for kids at the same time. Because all the characters suddenly grow up, they're all older, some of them have kids, and the violence gets a lot more real, but... They actually toned down the complete inappropriateness of the show in terms of the sexuality of it. So, what that shot of Bulma's cleavage—first of all, third to fifth grade—no, it, it did nothing for me because I was, <laughs> I had no idea what that was, um, and, and why it would appeal to me. But what you're actually watching is the less sexualized version of Dragon Ball. The original version, which is both both more childlike, has so many more dirty jokes. It's and there's a reason why that version barely made it over here and it was so edited to the point of even for dragon ball incoherency
2: mm. <laughs> dragon, huh. dragon, so ball z, dragon ball slash fiction is really the true dragon ball spirit and the show not so much
1: well yeah kind of yeah and the thing about and the thing about <laughs> dra- so with dragon ball z all they had to do was edit out the more violent parts and dub over that like characters didn't die or that like random civilians didn't die Whereas with the original Dragon Ball show, they had to be like, "Why is this shape shifting pig constantly obsessed with panties? We got to figure this out because that is the thing that happens."
0: <laughs> oh my god! Excellent. I you know I really forgot about how, how insane that show is. I mean, the the theme song was like the most coherent thing about it whenever I'd watch it. Uh, so I pre- the theme song seemed to speak to like a show that was going to be like. Really imaginative and action-packed, and then like our yeah. friend T.J. would be explaining to me, like he's like, "This is the fourth of seventh episodes where these two characters are just talking to each other and powering up." Yeah, and I'd be like, "Uh, yeah, I'm, let's watch something else."
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I will. I will say the the manga that it's based on by the same creator. Um, things do move at a more steady clip, and I, I like that actually helped me learn Japanese to reread those books all the time, all the time. And it was so exciting to see it turn into an animated show. They slowed down the pace considerably. And um, right. it's, it's amazing how, like, kids have no patience, except if they're really invested in something, they'll wait forever. And that has never been proved more than Dragon Ball Z, because, man, nothing happens in that show. Even though so much does, <laughs> nothing happens.
2: Yeah. I remember watching in high school, and it took, like, so halfway through, like, the second season. I was just like, wow. Actually, this is not cool. But anyway. yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yep. It was,
0: yeah, uh, and uh, uh, I, I I have little to say about the theme song other than it's great J-pop. As we've <laughs> said here, it's fine.
2: I think J-pop might actually be my least favorite genre. Uh, I, I was wrong when I said it was white guy rock before. But anyway. K-
0: K-pop uh, is superior to J-pop. Oh, no question. No, no, question.
2: no, no question.
1: None.
0: Um, um, Lane. Okay. Lane. Yeah, Lane. Uh, so the theme song to Lane, which is a... a in s- Paul, have you seen Lane? Yeah, we watched it. At, like, okay. a
2: sleepover or something. And I think at your church, I actually church, think Paul. I would probably like – I think so, yeah. It was for my 18th birthday um, after we watched Fight Club. So, nice night we had there. Indeed. Um. <laughs> oh, is, is that where Jesse had to leave – like his dad even yeah, uh, and got he, him? Maybe. Yeah, he
0: told, he told McDonald's that he quit, and then McDonald's called his dad. His dad came and made him go back to working at McDonald's. Oh,
2: Jesus, yeah. Jesse. Yeah, that um, was rough. <laughs> All right, this has been the Paul and Joe who about their high school friends moment. Um, what? I'm but, here, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, you, I'm just saying we always do it. You're welcome to join.
0: <laughs> um, so so Lane is, uh, I, Paul, I think you were going to say that you might enjoy this show now. Well, no, I enjoyed it a lot
2: then, and I think I might yeah. really enjoy it now, but I haven't watched it yeah. like, since then. I, I reread the description, and I forgot how
0: insane this show is about. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's, this is a gra- a crass generalization, but over over generalization, but it's basically about a weird girl becoming the internet and like taking <laughs> control of reality. Um, and it's uh, it's super fucked up. Uh, and the theme song is by Buah spelled boa but there's an umlaut over the o uh and uh it's they are a british uh indie band uh, and their song duvet was a uh kind of a hit in japan when it was released and they decided to make it the theme song to this show um and uh it, not only is the song catchy and and uh, i think a, a fine version of early 2000s indie pop um right up there with like uh, you know something like cardigans love fool it's not that good but it's like in that that zone where i'm like all right uh, you know i'm I'm chill with this um but um it's great for it really fit the show and uh, there were times that they would manipulate how and when they would play this theme song including one of the last episodes where they didn't play it until like the last 10 minutes of the 30 minute long show um and like the intro sequence was like um um, kind of part of the actual show itself, um, so here we are talking about the visuals uh, with all of these, um, even though we said we wouldn't. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think I think it's it's just a contrast to uh, the you know the J-pop that's in a lot of these anime uh, uh, shows. And uh, yeah, for me, this one is just like extremely memorable, um, and uh, still still gets stuck in my head to this day uh and yeah.
2: yeah uh i totally agree this uh natalie and brulia was the comparison that jumped into my head right away which for oh, yeah. me is not a total insult um because i've always had like a soft spot for this sort of like jammy melancholy 90s uh rocks you know sort of like pop rock by women types of things um you just get a really great combo of uh catchy percussion that's actually you know somewhat complicated not just straight ahead and uh, an interesting guitar part and then Uh, On top of that, the sad vocals, I think, are what really tie it all together and make it work. So uh, uh, there's no shame in liking this style of music um, at all. Natalie Merchant was maybe my
0: my Ah. main comparison for
2: that kind of music. All all the important Natalies are involved. Indeed, indeed.
1: So for me, um, this song takes a journey from... I couldn't divorce it from the images, and then for a long time, actually in college, back in the Napster days, I had downloaded a version of this, and it was just on almost every... Mixtape I had, uh, mixtape, Jesus, mix CD or, or playlist, to the point where the song was divorced from the show, or at least it left the show, and I just loved it so much. And then for the show, I rewatched the intro sequence, and immediately the images were all back, and it was sort of like, Where have you been? Um, <laughs> and so it's it's just, it, this is the only one that took a journey for me from the show to itself, back to the show. It's perfect. Um, it, it there's, there's nothing I would change about it. It, it fits all my three prongs, but I think, as Paul said, it also survives completely. You you wouldn't have to know this is about the show Lane, and yet mirrored with the images in a way that a song we're going to talk about in a little bit, I feel like, is actually disingenuous. This is completely on point with everything the show is, and... and I mean, Lane to me is almost the anti-anime because while I can't imagine it not being animated, it manages to subvert, at least my memory of it, who knows if it's actually real, but my memory of that show is that it subverted every cliche and it didn't fall into anything, any of the traps of anime. Instead, it was its own very well-told, self-contained story. It couldn't really have been a movie, but I'm glad there was only one season of it because there's no ending after, there's nothing to tell after the story ends. It's just its own unique thing and it has its own unique song and I wouldn't change a word.
2: Yeah. Um, I had totally forgotten the theme song. I never downloaded it and uh it's awesome. Uh really good song.
1: Indeed. Uh, nope. Okay. Yeah. So the Our last, last two. Yeah, the last two are True Detective and Sopranos. I feel like we should end with Sopranos. So let's So we'll play the two, but let's um do True Detective first. All right. Deed. Doot dee doot, dee doot, dee. Do, 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 do.
2: Sadness and drunkenness, women died (laughs) a bit like (laughs) a
0: things Los soprano. Paul, you haven't started any of these. I okay, feel like I can do you that. Should, yeah, you around. should hit True You're Detective.
2: Up. All right. Ah, Drew De- True Detective, um, <laughs> I'm very honored to be the one to start our discussion of the greatest piece of TV theme music ever written, um, yes. even though it was not written to be that. It's just some song that the music director picked. Um, What's funny about it to me is that the actual uh, the imagery and the lyrics—not the actual images of the sh- of the intro sequence, but the the imagery described by the singer, uh, and even the musical idiom—are um, very southwestern. Uh, whereas the show is super ultra, at least uh, for this season, in uh, the Cajun bayou. Um, so it's actually a total mismatch that way, and yet it fits entirely. The sort of mood of the show, um, with this sort of like really grandiose, uh, somewhat self absorbed, uh, 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 dark philosophy of where what is man's place in the world, uh, somehow it pulls it in, it, it, it marries that really well. It's also, of course, helped by the fact that the visuals, uh, on this are just fucking incredible. Um, some of the most interesting. Uh, it, it's like a really great demo reel for some uh, new age director, um, which I don't know if Kerry Joji Fu, uh, F- F- Fukunaga, if I got his name right, I'm sorry if I didn't, uh, directed the theme, uh, the intro, but if he did, uh, yet more great work from him. Um, but then the music is sort of like, you know that uh, fastball song, where were they going? without the way, the way, man, the way. Yeah, uh, this is sort of like that if it weren't a giant piece of shit. Um, oh poor taylor (laughs) poor taylor watch your back Uh, paul watch your fucking back (laughs) (laughs) sorry i didn't even know that was going to be a a (laughs) spot um but uh i don't know it's just a great song um especially the part you know when the last light warms the rocks when the singer comes in there just uh chills almost every time for me um it helps perhaps that uh they're clearly going to be changing the theme every season with the song so uh, uh with with this show so you're never not going to get overexposed to it too much unless you just rewatch it a ton of times but um great stuff and uh last note uh when the mandolin comes in at, at the end if you want your melancholy soaring song to work really well always use the mandolin um there you go
0: Yeah uh this song uh is I can't disagree that this might be the best theme song, certainly from our batch and, uh, one of, uh, all time. It, it does, uh, it fits the show perfectly. The visuals are great. Uh, it's a, it's a moving and haunting piece of music, uh, that, that you don't get tired of. Um, it, even though it does can get stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, it, it has, it's a particularly bold choice which is i think is what makes it successful to have you know such strange strange vocals um what's the artist's name i can't can't i've totally
2: forgotten and i've always i've been meaning for like four years now to go back and listen to their other music and have never done so so my bad um uh uh, it's
0: the by the handsome family um is the name uh husband and wife duo brett and rennie sparks uh good job folks um and I, like i said it's a very bold choice because it doesn't sound uh it's just singing doesn't sound normal uh it's uh very strange lyrics and themes and uh it, it it's not like really a counterbalance to the visuals it, it plays directly along to them and you just you are unnerved as you go into the show um uh, and yet at the same time, it has those little like adornments that work perfectly, like the little like little like country riff that kicks it off. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just is just, you know, kind of classic theme song. Um, so it's even a little deceptive as you get into it. Uh, and um, in the end, uh, you know, when you've seen the show, uh, it it fits perfectly um, and is, is part of why this this season is, you know, uh, in, in many ways. I would have a hard time arguing that that uh, if anyone, if someone said this was the best season of television ever, it would be hard for me to argue uh, that.
2: I would argue the shit out of that. But anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> you would find a better one, you mean?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think this show, this season ended very well, but we're not talking about that right now. Oh, yeah, right. Really you, don't, you don't like the last you episode. with this yeah. for hours, so. <laughs> yes, yes. Bore us, uh, well, I will Well, yes.
0: Bore it's, us hard. it's my hard. Fa- it's my favorite season of television ever. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do love the show nonetheless, but anyway, go on. Taylor, uh, have you never even watched True Detective if I'm not mistaken? Nope.
1: Nope. So this this like The Crown was the only show that I went in completely blind to the song. Um it is Spellbinding. It is Spellbinding. The visuals are Spellbinding. Um it's haunting, but but not in a forced way. Um it's sort of it sort of manages to sell that sweet spot in between somewhere in between no country for old men and there will be blood. um, Mm -hmm. Two very good films, but nevertheless, one I watched twice in like three days in the theater and the other one I saw once and was like, yep, I never need to see that again. Uh, Not (laughs) because it was bad, but just because it was like, it left me so cold. And this to me feels like it, it's got the operatic sense of there will be blood, but the stark um, like no one gets out alive and there's no point to anything of no country in a very gorgeous way. Um, it makes me want to watch the show. and it, You it, should watch this show. I, I know I should, but no, the point yeah. is is that <laughs> if I knew nothing about it and I saw this, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Um, and that's not... Look, that doesn't mean anything, right? Great shows have bad... Like, The Wire's theme song is like, okay, what the fuck is this? And there's other shows that have amazing starts and the show is garbage. So that doesn't mean anything, and yet the fact that it's, it's everything you would want in terms of like yeah you know what you know what's about to happen something fucking great and the fact paul <laughs> that you say like having watched it it is tr- it is very true to what it is like it's it's an authentic representation of every element that the show is i think is the perfect transition to the sopranos and what i mean by that is the sopranos to me it's iconic that theme song it definitely it never gets old for me and I'm I have not seen all of the Sopranos, but I have seen most of season one and here and there are other episodes. And to me, the Sopranos theme is it does not sell what that show actually is. Now, whether that means it's a great piece of music, whether that means it's iconic, those are completely separate things. But when I but like in, when the original assignment was put together a top ten list, I really thought long and hard about the Sopranos. I'm like, you know what? Like what they're singing about in this song is not really what this show's a about it's it's become what this show is about because we love the song but is it really like what the show is in a way that based on what you're telling me paul the true detective theme completely is like yep this is what you're signing up for like completely and i don't feel like the soprano song does i think it's selling something that's not actually there and it's okay because from what i've heard and what i've seen it's one of the best shows of all time and so that's great but it's promising a vision that david simon goes Is goes out of his way to not give you because that's what he's trying to do, which is what makes it great. But it's also like it would be like if Cheers, it's like you listen to the Cheers theme song. It's like, hey, we're here in an AA group where everyone um, doesn't drink anymore and occasionally relapses. It'd be like, well, then what? Then what are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Taylor, (laughs) Taylor? I am
2: fucking floored that you have not watched The Sopranos. I did not. Yeah,
1: (laughs) me too. There's only so much um, time, and I got to spend a lot of it watching really bad movies, trying to see if they're good.
2: I <laughs> feel
0: like I feel like we argued about like yeah. episodes of The Sopranos.
1: I just told like, you know, after season I one, have seen random episodes of The Sopranos, but I didn't have an HBO subscription. I actually have like on my wall. I have the entire series. I bought it when my son was born. I'm like, I'm gonna watch this while I'm on, mater- on paternity leave. Yeah, that didn't fucking happen because you know you have a four month old. But like, I got it. Like, I've made a commitment. I just haven't actually. Done anything about it? I've seen all of season one and like parts. I've even seen like parts of the final season, and I liked I it. I don't
2: but, h- hate you, know. you for this. I just kind of always assumed it's just funny. I had no uh, yeah, idea. me too. I feel like we've
0: probably made some references that. Yeah, I feel bad. Well, eh, um, yeah. I, I know. Uh, I know what
1: happens. That's the thing. Like, it, like at this point, all the surprises are gone for the most part. I, I know it's the journey, so who cares? But you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, to go back and watch The Sopranos for the first time. That sounds fun. <laughs> um uh okay so we've we've we're, we've we moved on to the sopranos yeah. uh and uh you know i i think i think this this song i do like this song uh i think paul's gonna disagree um i think it's a it's a cool song um uh you know it's it's probably rooted in like 90s uh weird country whatever like when alternative rock, like uh, collided with country and the blues
2: a, is what the I the blues yeah. is, is,
0: White is man some blues. weird, White man weird blues. things happened, weird things happened sometimes, but uh, nevertheless, um, hey, I know Dan know,
1: Aykroyd, I, I know Dan Aykroyd, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> uh, I have his crystal skull, so close enough, um. <laughs> Uh, so I think this su- succeeds as a theme song. Uh, it's got those uh, iconic opening lyrics, you know, woke up this morning, got yourself a gun. Mom always said you'd be the chosen one. I mean, there, there's this synergy with what the show means and, and but it's his sort mom of like told him the being... whole show
1: that he wasn't, that he was a piece of shit. Like that's, that's my problem. <laughs> right, like, but, it doesn't well, sync up at all. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's person who hasn't watched a show. Am I like, wrong? It, 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 Am I wrong, it, Joe? No, because you are wrong because I think that Tony's mom is, uh, you know, her, her, uh, you know, like goading him to success to like spite her to prove her wrong is part of like this sort of like, you know, and the fact that he was a psychopath like on top of that, you know, there's this like total menace of the show, that starts from the moment the theme song begins with like those low bass notes. Um, and, you know, and I like how that, um, you know, uh, it goes from that, like um, the menace, it goes from that open sense of violence to like the closed worlds of deceit as like Tony drives from the city where he's like, you know, uh, you know, violent and, you know, back to like the, the, you know, his suburban home where, you know, all that tension is uh, below the surface. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, it, I don't mean to, uh, haha, psychoanalyze the theme song uh, <laughs> too much, but it, it's I, I think it's great, and I mean, um, uh, I, I think that, you know, it is here that, like, unfortunately, like, I judge it in the context of the show completely, and, and I think, I don't know, there's so many of these songs that if they weren't part of the show... I just wouldn't care about them. Like I would never even stop to see if they were good or not. And then he would never listen to this song twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe true detective is the only one, uh, but, yeah. uh, that I would be like, that I would like listen to and be like, oh, I need to hear this song again. I need to download it. i have the lane, lane theme
2: song. Yeah. And no, I, so I know that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's how I felt about those songs the same way. And, um, with this one, if that's your argument, then fair enough. I. I I kind of agree with Taylor, though, that like just the the feel of this music of being sort of like a weird dated 90s techno version of uh, blues that a 50 year old guy thinks are really good blues um, <laughs> is just doesn't fit the mood of the show to me, even though it is menacing and dark. Um, so regardless of whether the lyrics are literally accurate or not, I it, it always felt sort of like a strange match to me. Um, of course, shouting got yourself a gun at the end, um, you know, (laughs) (laughs) is perhaps heavy handedly in line with what the show is about. Um, but, uh, yeah. So if, if you're saying, if you're not trying to defend it as a standalone song, which I agree, I would never really listen to this song more than once or twice. Uh, fair enough. But, um, yeah. So I don't know that we disagree that much, except that it doesn't, it, it feels like, like Bruce Springsteen or something more
1: Jersey would be more appropriate to me.
2: Interesting.
1: Look, all these, hey. sh- all these songs that we've been talking about, some have artistic merit, some don't, they're all commercials for what you're about to see. You know, the, yeah. the, the, genius, I think, I think the one that does it the best out of all of them is cheers because cheers starts with that little piano theme. That's sort of like, Hey, get ready. It's about to start. And the whole point is you're supposed to hear it. And like Pablo's dog, come and be waiting for it, right? So we're, we're talking essentially about commercials. They're all commercials, and some of them have art, some of them don't, some of them are catchy, some of them go against that. Um, and, and there's something to be said for that, that like even ones that are repackaged, even if we, that wasn't the original intent, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're using. Um, so it's a bit, maybe it's a bit disingenuous to talk about would I listen to them on their own? Maybe it's a bit disingenuous to say, does it matter if it's actually authentic to the song? but it doesn't change the fact that many have tried to create theme songs and don't even get to the air. And sometimes they do, and you're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, what, what is this? Um, <laughs> and, so, and so I feel like everything we've talked about today matters at least to one of us, right? Like, like Joe, for you, The Crown, for me, the Dragon Ball Z theme. And I, I don't mean to say that the soprano song is completely full of shit. I think they did a masterful job of making something very exciting to get you into the show. I think unlike the BoJack theme, unlike the True Detective theme, and look, I haven't seen the whole show, but the more I watch the show, every time I watch it, I'm like, you know what, this, like, I'm with Paul, either something more Jersey or something more like old school. Like if, if it was more of an Italian aria, I think that would more fit what's actually going on. But look, They could they, have
2: had Uncle June, who is an actual singer, sing a song for the show.
1: They did, but on the other ah. hand, look, that theme song got, it, it went beyond an HBO audience to the point where, much like Game of Thrones, everyone's talking about it so who am i to say that it's disingenuous to the show because the reality is people fucking love that song um
0: yeah Yeah. it's it's pretty funny that you guys feel the way about this song that i feel about the mad men song where like you guys (laughs) don't think this one fits i don't think the mad men song fits um and you know we all we all have arguments for it that seem to uh you know i think reflect more might reflect our like differing levels of, uh, or our, our differing you know interpretations of the shows themselves. Yeah. Um, you know we're we're seeing uh, different, you know we we there are different facets of these shows even though we we like them that you know we are particularly drawn to, and that probably influences what we think about these songs more than we would you know maybe like to say, because um, uh, I'm sure our if we you know, got into a podcast about Mad Men, our interpretations of the show would be as different as our, like, our interpretations of the song, you know, yeah.
2: magnified. And there's I mean, that's out. that's talking about art. There are wrong answers, but there aren't necessarily right answers, so. Um,
1: I think also it's, it's important to remember that, with the exception of Lane, where I think it was a self imposed, like, we have one story to, t- like, this is basically a miniseries. We're just doing one season. Um, every show we've talked about They've all made it to season two or beyond. Um, the only one, I, and I would say most of them, made it well past season two. It's just the crown is literally on season two right now. But so there may be a whole bevy of better choices. But if they only lasted one season, well, then no one knows about it. So who's to say? You know, right? Yeah. Each of these shows we're talking about have a measure of success, and that is a way of self policing. Does the theme survive or not?
2: Yeah. No, and I mean, you know, you were talking about how they how they relate to the show in that they're a commercial for it. I don't think it has to be viewed that cynically. I mean, if they're, if they're getting you excited for a good piece of art, then they could be, you know, a, an organic, good part of that piece of art. Oh, so. I, I don't, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, yeah. mean
1: to, I didn't mean to imply like an absolute cynicism. Yeah. It's more just a, a yeah. stark reality. Look, no matter how good a song is on the soundtrack and no matter how much the director's like, no, no, this song is there. Like, Unless it's too expensive, it ends up on the soundtrack, and and the same thing with the TV theme. No one puts together a TV theme to be like when you listen to this theme, I want you to turn off the television. Yeah, but like, that that's is fair. that is never the mission. Even if it's like, I'll I'll fool you, I'll I'll confuse you, I'll I'll intrigue you, I'll shock you. No one's thing is like I want to be so boring that uh, you'll do anything else. Like never, never, ever, ever, yeah. ever. And so and that's all I mean. That like in a sense. There is one mission, which is don't change the channel. Or in the case of streaming, don't turn it off and look for something else.
2: That's fair. The, the purpose of these things is, has to live within the context of the show. It can't be a song unto itself. Um, all right. Any other final thoughts? I think we actually kind of summed up some of the ideas pretty well there.
1: I would just yeah. I would just add um, we had a whole bunch of stuff. Like, look, the Veronica Mars theme song is great. The Game of Thrones theme song is great. The Malcolm in the Middle Twilight Zone, the Batman animated series. There's any number of ones we could have thrown out there. It's hard. Like we were supposed to pick ten, we ended up picking twelve. I think we convinced things more or less to move it along. Um, this is not a Buzzfeed list. Um, I know we're gonna leave off things. True. And and I think what what's interesting to me is that this everything I just listed and rattled off, I'm sure to someone is like, no, no, that's my theme. Why didn't you include yeah. that? And that and I think there's some there's ownership of this in a way that. Is not of movie soundtracks, and maybe it's because of the repetition of television. But almost every theme means something to someone because that's what they identify with that show and the emotion of where they are at that show. And that, to me, is what's most interesting about where this discussion can lead is the personal element of it. Because, like like Paul said, there are no there are wrong answers, but there are no right answers. And part of that is that if it means something to you in that moment, unless the song is complete garbage, then who's to say? <laughs> All right, um, Taylor,
2: is there anything we can plug for you, like uh, if somebody that we know is uh, in legal trouble in New York, they can come see you or something like that? Uh, uh, they
1: should just call the legal Aid society and ask to speak to a lawyer. We're not actually supposed to. Look, the best advice I can give to any- no, no look, 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 the best advice I can give to anyone. Anywhere in, the, in America, arrest of a crime is do not assume the officer is your friend. Everything they say will be used against you, and even saying you're there. You've already given up half your defenses. So all you need to do is just politely, respectfully say, I want to speak to an attorney. I'm not telling you to start a fight. Like, that is the best advice I can give anyone, because I swear to God, the amount of times there's cases we could win. But it's like, look, I was there, but I didn't hit the guy. Well, you just submitted you were there, so we're done. We're done here.
0: Who else hit
2: him? <laughs> this is... <laughs> This this is the best uh, podcast guest plug of all time.
0: <laughs> this really this is this is a big good reward for anyone who listens to the end of our yeah. of our show.
1: I mean, look, As I, they si- <laughs> I I do I, I am gonna try to um I originally was gonna try to do a podcast with someone else. Didn't quite work out. I may do something in the future, but I'm not. I already plugged something that does not exist. So until something's real, I'm not. But that is the best legal advice I could give to anyone. And I I mean no disrespect anyone who has a cop, a friend, the family, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying if you are arrested, (laughs) the cop is not your friend. Just politely but firmly say, I want to speak to an attorney because they are legally allowed to promise you basically the moon to get you to talk. And all they want you to do is talk because the sooner you talk, the sooner you're going to say something, it wraps up their case. They don't need to investigate. They're done. They give it to the DA. And then it's my problem. That's that's
2: fantastic. I couldn't agree we, more. Everybody listen to Taylor.
0: I would love if we had like we had like dozens of cops who listen to our show, yeah. just randomly. Where's I this want son of
2: a I, bitch. I <laughs> want there to be perps sitting in the back seat of cop cars listening to this, being like, ah, oh,
1: fuck. Um, but you know. Oh, huh.
2: We'll have to settle uh, for uh, reminding everybody I to actually, follow I, us on Twitter. I have, Twitter a, I
1: have a hearing in a week. Statement notice is the guy being like, I'm so fucked. I'm going to jail for a long time. And, it, and like statement location in the back of the cop car. I'm like, dude, just, just shut <laughs> up. Just <laughs> shut the fuck up. Oh,
0: my We're God. We're going to have to. Our next our next joint uh, podcast will be about the TV show Cop Rock, which is a <laughs> musical police drama.
1: I'm, I'm well acquainted it's, with Cop Wop. Thank you. <laughs> Cop walk? Jesus Christ. Yes, you said it, cop walk. That <laughs> happened. I was going to let it cop go. Cop walk. <laughs>
0: uh, it's, uh, it's one of the worst TV shows of all time, apparently. Uh, it yeah, sounds it's delightful.
2: A, it's a musical about cops. Okay. Let's yeah. bring I'm the creator of, of Law & Order. Yep. Oh. Uh, everybody, we did discuss dunk-dunk. Uh, dunk-dunk, yeah. Oh, that should have been a whole 10-minute segment. Anyway, everybody, really please follow us at Savage Beast Pod. Uh, email us, SavageBeastPod at gmail.com. We love emails. It's really great, the two times we've gotten them. Um and uh, or one maybe. Um. Also, our website savagereesepod. Uh. uh Will. Uh, no I'm not going to spoil that. Anyway. Um. You know, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. All that stuff is really good. Uh. Thanks for listening. Oh hey the, and enjoy
1: the cover version. Final the cover version of uh, Look What You Made Me Do from Postmodern Jukebox is so much better than the original. It makes me rethink my entire rant about the song that was on one or two episodes ago. So let's check that out. It's very good. All right. Joe, play us out with some
2: uh, X-Files remix.